Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Coming up tomorrow, Hans will be celebrating a Friday at Spa Truve in Orem, located at 295 East University Parkway. Come on by, hang out. We'll be there from noon to 3. Spoil your loved ones. Spoil yourself. Let's go. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Scotty and I will be out there spoiling ourselves. Yep. That's for sure. Come on. Let's have some fun. All right, uh, joining us now, Ben Anderson. You hear him every day from 10 to 12. Kind enough to uh, join us. He is your Utah Jazz Insider at kslsports.com. Ben, how you doing? Hey, Ben. Doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well. Doing well. What is your uh, – how are you looking to evaluate Taylor Hendricks over these next stretch of games where obviously he'll get some extended run? I have kind of a rule of thumb for NBA players that – if they get a real amount of time as rookies to play, you know, some guys just never actually get to see the floor. But if you get enough real cracks at it, I want to see a breakthrough game where I'm like, oh, I, I see where you're going to be two years from now, three years from now. Like, I, I get it. I get why you got drafted. And if you can't do it your rookie season when you get a lot of chances, it's kind of hard for me to believe that you're going to make it. And I will tell you the truth. I've already seen, I think, enough from Taylor Hendricks to totally get it. Like, Super athletic, really good defensive instincts already, even though, like Will Hardy has talked about, he has technique he needs to clean up. I'm a big believer in his shot. I know it hasn't gone on yet or gone in yet at the uh, NBA level, but I know how well he shot uh, at Central Florida. And he's made enough like tough corner threes. He's hit a couple above the break for me to just see the whole picture. Now the question is, like, can he do anything in between stuff? And that was actually his problem at Central Florida which is if you just go back and watch like his highlight tape, you're like, this dude's the number one pick in the draft. And if you actually watch the games, you're like, oh, there's some questions about feel and just like timing and some weird stuff there. So there's no concern level for me for, for Taylor Hendricks the rest of the way. Like he's an NBA player. In fact, I think he's going to be a pretty good NBA player. And then the question is like, how good? He's kind of showing more the, with a little with the ball in his hands than I had expected. Uh, but yeah, I believe in his defense. I believe in his three-point shot. And at six foot ten, that's a lot for an NBA player. Ben, try to evaluate Walker Kessler year one to Walker Kessler year two. I was looking at points. He's he's his minutes are about the same. Twenty-three minutes last year. He's at twenty-three point two this year. But he's down in points, down in rebounds. He's up a little bit in block shots. But I'm talking about evaluating from your perspective because the numbers don't always tell the story where is he year two compared to year one i i think he's probably about even i I think the the step backwards in numbers probably has to do with personnel uh he and john collins just don't fit well at all with one another and john collins does some things better than than walker does and walker does some, some things better than john collins so the overlap there hurts each other Uh, And then not having Mike Conley to play pick and roll because the Jazz just don't run a lot of pick and roll really hurts him. Where if, you know, you had Walker Kessler on the receiving end of 20 pick and rolls every game, his numbers would be higher. It's just not what he does. But I don't think the Jazz want to just default to being a pick and roll team. They want to be more dynamic than that. And when, you know, this thing finally clicks in and they start building a team that's capable of winning playoff games, I think that can be more beneficial than just having, you know, your go-to offense that teams work to stop and you can take away the pick and roll not fully, but largely in the playoffs. So that's that's why I think they're not just bailing out Walker by running a bunch of pick and roll with him to inflate his stats. That's not what they need to do. Uh, this uh, almost at this time last year was April of 2023. 
just after the season ended, Danny Ainge had a really interesting comment where he said, you know, Walker was good because he was playing next to good players. And he needs to grow. He needs to add more to his game if he wants to, you know, be a star in this league or take the next step. But there's a lot of room to grow. And I guess the kind of the question is, like, has Walker grown? His free throws aren't a lot better. I don't think his aggressiveness is better. I don't think his rebounding is better. I don't think his touch is a lot better. So that's a little concerning that, like, he should be taking a step forward. And I know he went and played with Team USA and maybe didn't have the offseason he was expecting, but there was an opportunity to grow, and he didn't do it in year two. And he is slightly older. He only played two years of college. Not like he played four, though. So there's there's a little bit of concern there about how high his ceiling is exactly. But there's also the sophomore slump where guys kind of cool off and then bounce back in the third year when they realize, like, oh, I've got to start working on these things again, or I've got to, you know, improve on the things I do do well on the floor. And I think uh, I think we could see that next season. So let's say uh, the Jazz either finish uh, in the standings at number, um, well, and I mean draft order, I guess I should say, not standings, um, at number 11 or number 10. Do you have a preference? Are you team convey or team not convey for 2024? I I think you want to hold on to the pick at this point. I know that this isn't supposed to be a very good draft. And again, I think so much of that often ends up being like, well, the third pick isn't great. The fourth pick isn't great. And I was talking to a draft person locally the other day, and they said, you don't want to have a top five pick in this draft, but you're probably better off having a pick six to 10, which I know is pretty counterintuitive. And still, I bet three, four, five years from now, when we look at this draft, we'll say, well, yeah, the better players were taken in the top five. But they had been saying that, you know, there's just going to be a lot of misses early on because someone's going to reach on somebody who's not great and somebody else is going to fall. So your, your odds of getting a player at 10 or nine are probably pretty similar to what you're going to get at three and four. And you know, if you're a GM and you blow the fourth overall pick, you get fired. You don't do that so much at the 10th overall pick. And of course, you know, Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, I don't think are in any danger of losing their job ever, but that's what they had said. I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's probably not a bad way to look at this draft. So if it were me and I were the Jazz, I would say, yeah, fall to 10, maybe even 9 if you can to give yourself even a little bit more likelihood that you don't get leaped in the lottery uh, and end up getting pushed out. And that way you can go into this offseason, and if there's somebody at 10 that you think you're going to fall in love with, draft them because this Jazz young core still lacks – star talent. Like, I don't know if Taylor Hendricks is a star. Keontae George might be. I have no idea what to make of Bryce Sensabaugh yet. We will see. He's a long ways out. So those are big questions. If you need to add another top 10 pick and maybe you hit on somebody, that's not super uncommon. Look at Tyrese Halliburton and some of those players. But also, if you just want to make a leap forward and win next year and convey your pick next year so you don't have to worry about pick swaps in 2026 with the Cavs and the Timberwolves, Use your top 10 pick. Use your 28th pick that you're going to get from the Raptors trade. Use your 31st pick you're going to get from the Simone Fontecchio trade and put a veteran in there or put a veteran and a young player. And, like, that's a great trade package. And you're still not touching any of your future draft picks if you do that. So, But, but the value of that, I think, is that you have a top 10 pick. And so that's where I would really look at that if I were the Jazz and say, I would rather just have the bird in the hand, have the pick this year. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like next year. But I would think you could improve the roster enough to guarantee you convey the pick, and it's going to be you know worse than the eleventh pick, worse than the you know the twelfth pick that it would be this season. Ben, I heard your conversation about uh, championship teams with David Locke and talking about the top ten, top twenty, and top fifty players. And as I was listening, the only thing I could think of is all right. So if that's the formula, 
how do the Utah Jazz execute that? So where do they get their top 10, their top 20, and their top 50 players and be able to have whatever the, that exact formula is to get themselves into the con, into contending shape and to be able to retain that roster? I think you hope that Lowry's top 20, and he's right around there. You know, he's, he's in that Jalen Brown conversation. He's right in that group of top 20, top 25 guys that any given night can be the best player on the floor but isn't every night, which is what your top 10 player is supposed to be. So you hope Lowry's your top 20 guy. I think you hope Keontae or Taylor Hendricks or maybe this top 10 pick, whatever you do, I think you hope they're your top 50 guy. And then you have whatever it is, 11 future first-round draft picks, yours and other teams. They're almost all fully unprotected. You've got some veteran salaries. And when that top 10 guy has to move off of another team, you just blow the doors off with your trade option. Whether that's, you know, Giannis, whether that's Luca, whether that's Joel, whether that's Devin Booker, if you think Devin Booker's that good in a couple of years, whether that's Jason Tatum in a couple of years, maybe Boston never kind of crosses that, that bridge. Uh, whoever it is, whoever that guy is that becomes available, you have all the draft picks, you have some young players and you throw it all at them. That, that's how I think you get, if that's the goal, top 10, top 20, top 50, uh, I think you have to get there. And you know what? In all honesty, I look at the last few championship winners, you might just have to have the best three or four players. It's just it's so tough to win in the NBA where I really, you know, maybe I'll look stupid in just a couple of months in June if Boston casually strolls to the championship. But I get to a point where I'm like, man, Jason Tatum's not the best player in a series against Milwaukee. And he's not the best player in a series against three teams in the Western Conference, depending on who makes it. So what do you do then? Like, what if he's not the best player on the floor in the finals? Does the rest of their roster step up? There were real questions about Jalen Brown in the postseason. I've not seen Chris Stapps perform at a high level in the postseason. So I think those are really major questions. And, and the nice thing is about, the ba- about basketball and what I love is it always changes. You can't solve it. You may think that's the formula to win it, and then you put that formula together, and it doesn't work at all. And that, that's kind of the fun part of, of the gamble of every year. Ben, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us as always, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again here very soon. Yep, thanks, guys. There he is, Ben Anderson, right here on 97.5 The KSL Sports.